Welcome to Logic and Larry, episode 65. I am your host, Larry Aluciato Crane. Everything I say in this podcast is strictly my personal opinion, does not reflect the opinion of any other entity or any other person. This is simply me talking to you as a private citizen in a private space on my private time. I am not endorsing any political candidates. I'm just discussing politics in general and my opinions on them. (laughs) The goings-on about D.C., New Jersey, New York, the United States. You know how it goes. I'm happy to be with you all on this Friday, this crisp November weather, to discuss the happenings upon us. Now, I thought maybe I would take off all the way until after Thanksgiving before I spoke to you guys again, but... As usual, there's too many things of interest going on, so I couldn't in good conscience do that. So here I am, and here we are. On the Russian front, Russia has been attacking the Ukrainian infrastructure for energy with missiles. One such missile actually hit Poland. It's unconfirmed where that missile actually originated from. But NATO is on full alert. That's what losers do, isn't it? Losers just lash out when they're losing. (laughs) And Putin is losing. Kherson, as I mentioned last week, has been retaken by Ukrainian forces. And things are not going well for Russia. So what does Russia do? They retaliate. And they act the way they're acting. Which is a damn shame. Because you know who suffers? The Ukrainian people suffer. Civilians suffer when that type of nonsense goes down. We are at the whims and mercy of people all over the place who have control of weapons, monopolies on violence, control of important institutions, and yet continually seem to fail the people that they're supposed to represent. And that's the kind of theme of the show today. There are some interesting develops in U.S. politics, but first I just want to touch base on... If you're in New Jersey, and I know I have a ton of New Jersey listeners for good reason. If you're in New Jersey, you might have noticed as of recent all these, uh, the traffic uh, alerts on the highways throughout New Jersey, the digital traffic alerts. You know, they've been kind of humorous lately. One said, you know, we're going to be blunt. Don't drive high. You know, another one's like, get your head out of your phone. Another one said, slow down. This ain't Thunder Road. You know, Bruce Springsteen reference, whatever. And honestly, I've liked them. I've really been digging the Jersey, you know, swag, the Jersey flair to the funny and comedic traffic signals. But unfortunately, I just read today that they're going to be no more because the Federal Department of Transportation has said that we are no longer allowed to have humorous traffic signs and traffic messages on the signs. The DOT does not approve of it. It's like, why? If it's working and it's funny, why? If it's a legitimate message, why can't we have it? Just because some bureaucrat somewhere wants something to do? Let me tell you something. The the, the scourge of this society... The worst part about this society is bureaucracy, bureaucratic nonsense. Bureaucrats and people who are so consumed with their own little worlds and their own little political games, internal games, cost us so much progress, cost us so much objectivity, cost us so much practical and pragmatic solutions. 
People are so wrapped up in their own nonsense. And speaking of that, has anybody seen the news recently? So the Republican, the Republicans have essentially retaken the House, right? But their, their majority in the House is going to be very, very slim. Very, very slim. We're talking five, six, seven votes. Nonetheless, that hasn't stopped Republican leaders from coming out and saying, and I apologize, I'm just uh, in the middle of something. Sorry. <laughs> I know you guys dig the music, so it's okay. I'm, I'm, you know, when I'm live recording, I don't like to go back and edit too much. But um, Republicans are already saying that they're going to launch various investigative committees. Various investigative committees now. Republicans are saying that they are going to launch a committee to investigate what's going on with the border response and the crisis at the border. They are going to uh, launch a committee to look into the Afghanistan withdrawal and what went wrong there. They are going to launch a committee to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop and how Hunter Biden's laptop connects to Joe Biden. They are going to launch a committee into the origins of COVID-19. And some are even discussing and talking about uh, impeachment of Joe Biden. Now, obviously, impeachment is dead on arrival in the Senate where the Democrats have a majority. And the truth is, impeachment seems like a very, very far off notion, considering that Republicans only have a handful of majority in the House. So you're going to need to convince every single Republican to go along with an impeachment if you're going to do it. And I don't think it's going to happen because several of the Republicans right on that uh, dividing line are moderates who have some sense and some common sense and who I don't think uh, are going to jump on board with some nonsense. But speaking of false equivalency, speaking of people you know, so wrapped up in their own bureaucratic and political and internal nonsensical uh, lives and, and completely losing the forest for the trees. These committees, let's discuss, I mean, the committee on the withdrawal from Afghanistan and uh, the committee on the border crisis seem to me to be legitimate, right? And this is, this is one of the things I want to drive home. This is one of the things I, I continue to pound the table about with the January 6th hearings. This is one of the things I will continue to pound the table about going forward with various other committees. Look, the fact is that not everything that is done, whether it's politically helpful to your side or politically harmful to your side, is always a political stunt, right? The January 6th committee in investigating the insurrection was not just a political one-sided stunt just to take down Trump because he's a political rival of Democrats. Like, outside of politics, completely outside of politics, Trump's actions and the actions of the executive branch as they related to January 6th, forget politics, take politics out of it. That was a serious issue. Obviously, it's obviously a serious issue. Obviously a serious issue. Which needed to be investigated congressionally, right? The House and Congress itself has a duty to investigate those types of things, right? 
So Republicans and Trumpies, you know, uh, grandstanding and, and backlash to the January 6th committee is absurd because the January 6th committee serves a, a legitimate purpose outside of politics. That's why you saw Kissinger and that's why you saw Liz Cheney on the committee who are Republicans. They want to say it's a partisan committee, but it's not. Republicans sat on it, just not Republicans who are going to go along with the party line because they got above and circumvented and transcended politics. So I will say the same thing about certain committees the Republicans are going to start, right? There is a border crisis. By many accounts, the Biden administration has been struggling to put it to put it kindly perhaps really willfully not dealing with the issues at the border perhaps really not forming a cohesive and coherent policy on how we handle border crossings how we handle um you know those seeking um refugee status those seeking to, to come in here uh, legally and those who cross illegally and the problems we're having there. Um, and I meant to say asylum. Sorry, sometimes the, sometimes the words flow off my tongue so beautifully like this jazz behind me, this Coltrane sax, and sometimes I struggle a little bit. It is what it is. It's a different time of day. Depends on my sobriety. Depends on a lot of things. Uh, but look, the, the committee work that Republicans are going to do as it pertains to the border, that, that transcends politics to me. You can make it political. You can pretend that it's political. I'm sure there is certainly a political angle. There's a political angle, obviously, to anything in Washington, D.C. And so to pretend that this is completely, you know, an altruistic, you know, noble exercise with absolutely no hint of politicization and absolutely no angle of, you know, or, or mind of trying to damage Biden would be naive. I'm not saying that. Obviously, Republicans would love to damage the Biden administration. But nonetheless, whether they want to or not, the committee looking into immigration policies at the border and the border itself is legitimate. Right. And if Biden and the administration, the Democrats don't like that, then perhaps they should do better at the border. Right. Now, on the other hand. And, and, and by the way, another committee that I think makes sense, like, you know, looking into the withdrawal from Afghanistan, that's also an interesting, you know, thing for a committee to look into. That's also a legitimate thing that transcends politics, right? There's no reason why a congressional committee can't look into the withdrawal from Afghanistan, whether it's to criticize Biden or not, there's also a lot of moving parts there. And I hope that Democrats and that's that's the thing I'll say, too. I hope that unlike Republican leadership, when it came to the January 6th party, who just wanted to nominate obstructionists and naysayers and misinformation hounds to the January 6th committee to, to essentially just thwart and completely derail the process. I'm hoping that Democratic leadership and it won't be Nancy Pelosi because she stepped down, by the way. And I'll get to that in a second. But whoever Democratic leadership is, I really hope that they nominate legitimate, objective people onto these committees because, for instance, the withdrawal from Afghanistan is not solely a Biden issue. I know Republicans want to make it one. But Biden, the optics were terrible. The way he withdrew was terrible. The way he just rushed it was terrible. It was a, it was a terrible, fumbled job. There's no way around it. It was a terrible job that Biden did. But the Afghanistan withdrawal actually 
partially predates Biden, too, because Trump set the initial timetable. Trump's on record saying that Biden can't get out of it even if he wanted to, that there's a finite set date that they have to be pulled out. So there are probably failures uh, on both administration's part. And there's probably failures that permeate through many different agencies and levels of government. You can't just pin it on, oh, Trump's deadline or Biden's, you know, sloppy withdrawal. There's probably a lot of failures. And I hope that Democrats sit on that committee and thoughtfully really look into what failed and, you know, produce a legitimate, coherent report so that we don't make those same missteps again. That That's what government's supposed to do, right? There's nothing wrong with doing that. And the same for the border crisis. I hope that thoughtful Democrats sit on the committee and make recommendations and produce reports that show what is going on at the border, why it's happening at the border, what the issues at the border are, and hopefully, you know, recommend solutions or put pressure on the current administration to, to make changes to rectify some of the issues at the border. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Those types of committees need to happen, just like the January 6th committee needed to happen. Now, you get more dicey, and this is why I'm talking about people being absorbed in their own bureaucratic, political, nonsensical, you know, petty, petty ends and petty games. You start talking about the COVID-19 origin committee. And, you know, we already have a lot of agencies, scientists, uh, uh, multinational, extra national uh, agencies, internal agency, all of these different, you know, private places, universities, all of these other entities researching the origins of COVID-19. I think when you start getting into a Republican committee set up to look at the origins and especially if people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, you know, some of these more, you know, less intelligent, maybe, you know, less than average, the normal person intelligence and just crazy people getting onto these committees. And if they start driving the narratives, I don't think the COVID-19 committee becomes one of those legitimate committees that transcends politics. I think that becomes a political nonsensical hack job where you're just trying to pretend that China created it in the lab or that people purposely sabotage Donald Trump because they wanted him to lose an election. And you start getting into a place where things get a little dicey. Now, that could go either way, but I'm not giving it the benefit of the doubt as of right now, not to mention COVID-19 is behind us. I don't think any of us want to relive that. And I know that's what Republicans said about January six why relive it well that was a criminal incident and a criminal attempt at a coup in the united states government and mike pence if you haven't seen the interview mike pence came on and discussed that recently so so i don't want to hear that but after the covid you get even more into the weeds you get even less objective you get even more politically petty and a bunch of you know washington insiders just doing literally nothing spinning their wheels and just robbing us of our money time and resources as american citizens when you start having an investigation into hunter biden's laptop and how it connects to joe biden the justice department the fbi is already investigating hunter biden if there's some inkling that there was some impropriety Priority happening or some illicit behavior on the part of the administration to intervene in favor of Hunter Biden, then by all means, Congress should take it up. But until then, let the Justice Department do its job. Let the FBI do its job. 
and don't waste our damn time with another nonsensical investigation. This is what they did with the Benghazi investigation with Hillary Clinton. They tried to find some smoking gun on Hillary Clinton. Same thing with the emails, all the nonsense. They tried to find some smoking gun, terrible thing. They spun their wheels. They came up with nothing. And the only thing that it produces is a bunch of airheads on social media tweeting out and talking out and speaking about nonsensical things. That's it. That's it. You get a bunch of Republican, you know, Trumpies who are everyday Trumpies who don't even know much, who are everyday lay people just regurgitating nonsensical talking points that come out of Washington. Come out of Washington like the excrement in the sewer system, and these people spit it back out of their mouths. It's disgusting. I don't want to have committees sitting here just for no reason spending their time trying to manufacture some false equivalency. And that's that's what gets me, right? That's what I'm talking about, where some committees and some things and some investigations transcend politics. Some things are not just tit for tat to make you feel better. And that's what people got to get through their heads. You don't always have to hit back because you hurt my feelings. You impeach Trump, so I'm going to impeach Biden. Are we going to get into a world where every president gets impeached when the other party's in there? And... The the thing that's crazy is back when Nixon was impeached, back when Nixon was impeached, it was sacrosanct. It it was something important because the parties come together to some extent to impeach Nixon because he did something that he wasn't supposed to do and it transcended party. He was going to be impeached. That's what happened with Trump. Make no mistake. Trump deserved to be impeached for the Ukrainian scandal, withholding the weapons from Ukraine, as well as obviously the insurrection. He deserved to be impeached. The evidence was clear to impeach him. He should have been convicted both times that he was impeached. It has nothing to do with politics. We can't get into a cycle now where impeachment becomes just a nonsensical, petty tool to attack a member of the other party rather than a legitimate investigative and prosecutorial mechanism to hold bad executives accountable. We cannot get into that, but these people who currently took the House, some of these leaders, some of these wackos to the right, are trying to make it into that. Trying to make it just a political, manipulative, manipulative tool. And again, that continues to erode the fabric of our society. And so I'm worried about it. These people are sitting in Washington with nothing better to do. They're not trying to be solution-minded. They're not trying to build. They're not trying to come up with things that improve the lives of the American people. All they're doing is sitting around finding ways to poke at Biden and still hurt that their loser of a criminal former president, Donald Trump, looks like a fool, is a fool, lost, got impeached, and is facing criminal indictment quite probably in Georgia and perhaps the DOJ. That's the other thing that they came out and said they might want to do, these Republican committees. They might want to have a committee on the improper, quote-unquote, actions of the Department of Justice and the FBI. Again, and this is something I hear from from run-of-the-mill Trumpies, run-of-the-mill Republicans, just in regular conversation. They they make these, these statements as if they were true, these passing statements, because they're too glued into Fox News and conservative radio. And they go out and they say, oh, you know, the Justice 
Justice Department really hasn't been acting doing hasn't been acting proper. The FBI has been acting improperly. Why? Because Donald Trump, the criminal bum that he is, is getting investigated and had his house searched. That's why they're acting improper. They must be acting improper because Donald Trump is not supposed to be investigated because he was a former president and he deserves some dignity. The man you let me tell you something. You deserve the dignity. You deserve the respect that you put out. Donald Trump, the way he has acted, the way he has treated this country, the way he has desecrated the office of the President of the United States, he deserves no respect. He deserves no deference. If he's going to act like a common criminal, he will be treated and should be treated like a common criminal because nobody is above the law. If we believe in equality, then we've got to believe that everybody who breaks the law or runs afoul of it or disrespects this country or disrespects the the formalities and the regulations and the laws and the constitutional, uh, you know, traditions of this country should be held accountable, should be treated accordingly. These committees into the improper actions of the Department of Justice and the FBI apparently may even reach into the insurrectionists themselves, those who have been sentenced, those who have been prosecuted for participating in the insurrection. They're acting like that's improper. And see, this is the stuff that just drives me mad. This is the stuff that drives me out of my mind. You guys know this is the stuff on his podcast. This is the reason for this podcast. This is the whole mission of this podcast is to tear down this. When they put us into a vacuum of chaos, a nihilistic, abstract chaos where nothing has an objective center point that we can discuss, right? Because if the only way that somebody gets prosecuted is if the DOJ is acting improperly just because you like the guy. So if you like somebody, they can commit any criminal act and we can pretend they're not committing a criminal act. We can pretend they're being falsely prosecuted just because you're going to politicize it every time. And there is no standard. There is no time ever where you say, okay, this is beyond the bounds of politics. This guy committed a criminal act. If you can never say that. And to Trump's point, when he said, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue, shoot somebody and get away with it. He means it. He could stand there, murder somebody. He could murder somebody. The proof could come out clear as day. And if somebody held a hearing on it or if Trump got arrested for murdering somebody, many, many people would say that how dare you prosecute a president for murder because you're just being political. The DOJ is acting improperly. They did this wrong, that wrong and this wrong. Trump's not getting a fair shake. It's all a conspiracy. It's all created by Antifa. It's all created by the Democrats. Some idiot would say that. And I'm not saying some. It'd be hundreds of thousands of idiots would say that. Thousands of idiots would say that. Look at the other conspiracies and nonsense that people buy into. It's so easy for people to buy into nonsense. But you can't, if you live in a world like that, then there is no law. There is no standard. There is no societal fabric. There is nothing. We are just in free fall in outer space if you get to that point. And that's the point they want to take us to. Investigating the DOJ for investigating the insurrection. I mean, what are we doing? But this is the type of nonsense we see when people are tied to their little petty nonsensical ends and they have no broader concerns, considerations, or understandings, period. And I think it's a per- it's a disgrace that people go to Washington, get paid a nice, healthy salary, have a residence in D.C., a staff in D.C., and in their home district just to do dumb shit like this. How are we allowing, how is society allowing this to happen? How are useless, 
unintelligent morons able to go to D.C. and spin their wheels and waste their time on on stuff like this. I mean, I could see them having investigations into pizzerias with the Pizzagate thing. Congress people, I could see it. Well, we want to take a look at the pizzerias because we think there's child trafficking going in the pizzerias. And I'll tell you what, we're going to impeach the Biden administration and, and Hillary Rodham Clinton and all like, like get that. Like if you are that stupid, if you are that stupid, if your brain is that pathetically weak, if your logic is that piss poor. If your prowess as a government official is that pathetic, why the hell are you in any congressional seat? The districts who elect these people, the districts who elect these people should be studied anthropologically for how absurd these people are. Who elects some of these morons? I don't know. But we all have to suffer from it because these are the idiots. This is what they're going to waste their time on for the next two years. And it's just it's just a joke. And again, some of the committees I understand. But a lot of them, I just, I just don't get. And speaking of absurdity and insanity, I told you guys the other day that I'm sick and tired of hearing about Donald Trump running and, and how you know he's going to take on Ron DeSantis and all this other stuff. I told you I'm sick of hearing it because the guy is facing indictment. Why is it? Why is anybody? Nobody. And, and I love how I think it was. I'm not sure if it was NPR. Somebody actually is. Some news outlet actually put up a headline that said Trump, who is facing indictment for, you know, coordinating an insurrection and and various other crimes, has announced his presidency. That was great because every person who discusses Trump politically for 2024 should be prefacing their discussion with that fact. A common criminal who's facing investigations and indictment who was proven to be a criminal through the January 6th hearings is declaring he's running for president. I can't stand how people are just skipping over that and just talking willy-nilly about Trump. Like, well, what do you think? Do you think he's going to be a good candidate? Do you think he's going to win the primary? How can he be allowed to run and not have anybody say anything? How can he just be running without people pointing out the elephant in the room? It's it's a joke. Like, what, what Twilight Zone world are we living in? The same Twilight Zone where you investigate the DOG for investigating criminals. I don't I don't get it. It infuriates me. It boggles my mind. It makes me want to scramble my head around and bash it against the wall. It's absurd. It's it's stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Plain out. Dumb. He announces his nonsensical 2024 run, which, by the way, who the hell announces their their desire to run for president (laughs) right after the midterms, where some of the races aren't even settled yet? Two years to go. Like, we're way off from the 2024 election. It's still 2022, and this guy comes out at Mar-a-Lago and makes this grand announcement. Ivanka Trump... Excuse me. Ivanka Trump says she wants nothing to do with politics. She's done. Only one sitting congressperson even attended this event, and they're retiring. No other Congress sitting congresspeople or other dignitaries attended this nonsense event. My favorite part about it was the major news networks... The major news networks like CNN, MSNBC, even Fox, they showed him, like, for a brief snippet, the mainstream network channels didn't even air it. They just had their regular, like, The Bachelor, The Survivor. They didn't even bother airing his nonsense. I love it. And then even right after he announced, even Fox was talking about, like, the missiles in Ukraine. 
No one was talking about Donald Trump's announcement, which I love. He's not relevant. No one should be discussing him seriously about running for president. If you're seriously considering voting for him or running for president or or seriously considering it in any way as if it's legitimate, you need your head examined. You need your head examined. You, you need your head examined. There's no, there's no other way around. You need your head examined. Like, that's just, that's just a fact. Now, you want to talk about Ron DeSantis, somebody who, by the way, I'll talk more about him if and when he declares his candidacy. Ron DeSantis is an interesting person. Now, he's been vilified completely by the the media, vilified completely by a lot of people on the left. I understand why. I understand why a lot of his policies are not palatable for people on the left. But the guy gets a bad rap. If you actually listen, go go search Ron DeSantis and him speaking about day-to-day government things. Go listen to him talk about some of these issues. Certainly he makes some missteps. Certainly he says some things I don't I vehemently disagree with. But he certainly he also says some things that make a lot of sense. He also says some things that I do agree with. And this is a man who's Harvard educate, like went to law school, went to an Ivy League undergrad school, uh, served in the military, by all accounts has has navigated Floridians through crises and things like that. I'm not saying he's a great guy, but I'm saying the choice isn't even it's not even a choice. Like, that's a guy who actually can do so. I don't think, and by the way, you could hate him all you want. You could hate DeSantis. You could hate the new conservative movement. You can hate the new coalition on the Republican umbrella. You can hate all of it. But there's a difference between not liking somebody's politics and somebody who outwardly is incompetent, cannot handle the job, is not suitable for the office, and who tried to literally overthrow a free election, right? There's a big, vast difference. So conservatives and Republicans have other viable choices. So don't hide behind, oh, I care about my taxes or Trump's gas was low and Trump was in. Don't hide behind that. If you're still trying to rep Trump right now and you have these other viable options, as I said, you need your head examined. That's it. You need your head examined. I'm not going to apologize. You need your head examined. Okay? There are other options. It's not about being conservative. It's not about being liberal. It's about a guy who did what he did. Okay? And, and even his own kids, Ivanka, even, even these people are saying, no thanks. No thanks to Trump. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm still waiting on Georgia. I think the the if there's going to be an indictment of Trump, it's going to come from Georgia. That's what I think. I think the evidence is is ample. I think they, they've, they've been going on. Kemp just got interviewed the other day by the grand jury. Uh, Lindsey Graham scheduled to be interviewed by the grand jury uh, to testify in front of the grand jury. So there are a lot of moving parts with the Georgia investigation. I do expect the Georgia investigation to come to a head first if anything comes to a head. And something better, because of everything we've seen, there's so much evidence. If nothing happens, then we are just starting to slip into that vacuum, that outer space, nihilistic uh, end of societal fabric, as we know it, that I, that I discussed. So hopefully something does happen. Just to show us that there is some semblance of common sense, law, and pra- pra- practicality left in this world. Honestly. <laughs> so... We'll see what happens with the whole Trump nonsense. We'll be following it closely on the show. We'll continue to discuss it, of course. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, right away, Republicans are just trying to pretend we're, we're, we're going to do, you know, arbitrary investigations, fight fire with fire, tit for tat, impeach him because he impeached us rather than being real. Now, I'm still holding out hope, like I said, that the border investigations, that the Afghanistan investigation, that Democrats get on board, that it's a bipartisan effort, that even if it's damaging to Biden, that the truth comes out. That's all I care about. 
And I said the same thing about Hunter Biden. If Hunter Biden's guilty, let, let the Justice Department arrest him. Let him be prosecuted. And if Biden, if there's any inkling ever that Biden did something improper to intervene, then go ahead and investigate him. But until then, don't waste our damn time. They literally, they think the GOP literally tweeted out on their official account that Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Like, this is the, it's like the, the, the fat losers in their mom's basements with ketchup stains on their shirts who talk about WikiLeaks and Alex Jones. It's like they actually have a seat at the table in Congress and they can just spew the nonsense while the rest of us are worried about inflation, money, wars, you know, legislation to improve the lives of the American people, equitability, other things that matter, crime, law and order, issues. These people are talking about Hunter Biden's laptop is real. <laughs> it's real. It's real. Get a fuck. I'm sorry for my language, but get a fucking life. Get a life. Get a life. Get your head checked first, then get a life. And then come see me, okay? Do those two things. Do that, okay? Do that. So then, speaking of tweeting out and Twitter, has anybody been following this? Elon Musk, the whole... And here's the thing. I don't even care. I don't even care about Elon Musk, and I don't even care about Twitter. I actually think Twitter has been a cancer on the society for a long time. Everything's Twitter, right? All these news articles reference Twitter, like black Twitter was mad about this, Republican Twitter, liberal Twitter, progressive Twitter, you know, Latino Twitter, Asian Twitter, Trump Twitter. Who cares? Who cares? There's trolls on Twitter that don't even have their real names out there who guide so much of the conversation. It's such a faux conversation. It's such nonsense, but it drives so much of what we do. Trump was a Twitter maniac. His whole following was Twitter. He tweets this, tweets that, tweets this, tweets that, tweet that, Twitter, 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 Twitter. Who cares? I'm actually happy Musk took it over. They apparently locked themselves out of the building, laid off the guy who was in charge of access badges for the building, then locked themselves out and called the guy back who was in charge of access badges to see if he would come back and help them get back into the building i'm all good with twitter floundering let twitter take a back seat let twitter chill the hell out let twitter be a little marginalized it's it's never been a great and you know it's nice because you get real-time news is what you get i use it to get up-to-the-date news about sports politics you know things going on you know international conflict because it's a rapid fire news source and a lot of it's bad information but a lot of it's good information that's the best asset of twitter but other than that, it's just a lot of people spewing a lot of opinions and tweeting out a lot of nonsense that just corrupts and pollutes the societal dialogue, and that is not indicative necessarily of the actual sentiments of the society we live in. So I actually don't care if Twitter's in trouble, and I'm kind of reveling in it. You know, but whatever. That's Twitter. That's the world we live in. That's going on, too. Um, and it, I guess it is what it is. Um... Nancy Pelosi, though, I do want to just mention Nancy Pelosi is stepping down as House Speaker and she served a pretty distinguished career. A lot of progressives are not fans. A lot of, of course, conservatives are not fans. And her record will, you know, be analyzed and dissected and discussed as it should be going forward. Um, she was an Italian-American woman. She was, uh, you know, a dedicated public servant for a long time. And she has a lot of accomplishments to be proud of, a lot of firsts for her. Um, I do find it interesting, and again, this is also with this irrationality that you see with these committees and whatnot. I do find it interesting that, you know, um, that there was so much hate for Nancy Pelosi. 
so much unfounded, insane hate, right? Like, people be like, Pelosi, as long as she's gone, yeah, the witch is dead. Yeah, oh, God, the last thing we need is Pelosi in office. Oh, as long as we kick Pelosi. Like, but there was never any actual tangible reason that they hated her, right? Wasn't like she did... There was some policy to tie her to or she was some, you know, vindictive psycho who did something to a former president or there was no real reason to hate Pelosi other than the fact that she was a Democrat. And I suspect that because she was a woman and a Democrat that people just vehemently hated her. They don't even know why. A lot of people do and feel things, and they don't even know why. There's some little rationality in this world, especially in politics. It's all about how you feel. I don't like her because she makes me mad. I feel. I feel. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you feel. And Pelosi's a great example of people just feeling like they're hating her and just feeling this rage for no tangible, you know, uh, reason. For none. <laughs> it, it, it's, just, it's just crazy. No articulable reason, just hating this woman. So she's gone, and honestly, I'm looking forward to who the next leader becomes. I hope it's somebody who can balance this rising progressive tide and this moderate, you know, centrist tide. The Democratic Party is a large umbrella, and the coalition is what it is. And I think you need somebody who can, honestly, you know, this is my opinion. I know progressives are going to disagree, but somebody keep the progressive wing in check a little bit more. And she did a pretty good job, but somebody who could really say, look, we can win this, we'll lose this. We can compromise on this. If this is a progressive item that we have support for, let's do it. Other things are just like, you know, sit sit down on that for a little while. We don't have the votes. And whoever it is that's going to become the minority leader now is going to have a task because they're going to be in charge of a Democratic caucus that only is a few votes short of a majority. So they're going to need to hold that entire caucus together and try to limit the rhetoric and the and whatnot to try to get a couple people from the other side of the aisle, the Republican side, to cross over on certain legislation or to thwart certain Republican initiatives. And so if the left is, is too loud and too crazy, you're going to turn off a lot of those Republican moderates from crossing the aisle. But if you keep a cap on it and you, and you keep your caucus together while keeping a cap on it, you're going to be able to get some some of those votes and to, you know, maybe have a little more wiggle room there. It's not going to be easy. I don't envy whoever it is, but whoever it is, it'd be interesting to see how they do their job. Just as on the other side, if it's McCarthy or whoever it is, it's going to be interesting to see how they do their jobs, right? Because they're going to have a very, very slim majority and they're going to want to get things done and they're going to want to pass things and they're going to want to hold their caucus together and they're going to want to keep the Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and whatever balanced with the moderate pragmatists in their own party. So a lot of moving parts here with the House and with things going on, a lot of things to watch. You just hope that this doesn't devolve into a two-year witch hunt nonsense. And I know it's funny because I'm saying that, but that's what Trumpies called the January 6th and the in the Russian collusion investigation, but none of neither of them were witch hunts. Both of them bore fruit. Both of them were for legitimate reasons and were worth looking into, especially the January 6th investigation, especially the impeachment for the uh, Ukraine scandal. These things are important. They transcend politics, just like investigating the border issue with the Biden administration, investigating Afghanistan. Those things have merit but if this devolves into hunter's laptop 
and screaming and shouting and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene at the helm and forefront, then you really got to hold these these people accountable. If the party, if the Republican Party uses the next two years to promote Trumpist nonsense, to just blindly attack Biden without any merit and to give a platform to people like Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, who have no really no business being in Congress, no business being in elected office, no business, no business. If they give a platform to those people in that wing of the party and spend their time doing that, then I think the American people will hold them accountable in 2024. And and at that point, they should be ashamed of themselves and they are a disgrace to their positions. But then again, we live in a petty bureaucratic world where all anybody cares about is their own nonsense and their internal Washington squabbles are more important to them than anything the American people are facing. But let's see what happens, right? I don't have a ton of faith because we live in a world where Donald Trump has announced a candidacy and people are discussing it as if he's not a criminal. So already I'm a bit protruded by the state of this country and, and our politics. But yet I press on. We press on. There's a lot of things to like about what the American people did over the midterms. There's a lot of candidates and people with potential. And I say that I know people don't want to hear it. I say it even about Ron DeSantis. He, he might not be a cup of tea. And that's okay. And I don't know enough about him to make a judgment, but I can say he, he, he's an interesting person. And there's plenty of interesting people on the left. And Biden's accomplishments, we've talked about them. They're interesting. There's a lot going on that is worth feeling optimistic about in this country, but there's a whole heck of a lot to feel pessimistic about. So as we continue to press forward... These are just things to watch for. I I really just wanted to hop on here and discuss these news stories about these committees because this Congress is going to take shape. Oh, another thing I wanted to talk about is you are seeing all of these. This is the lame duck session of Congress now, the lame duck session. And so there's a lot of agenda items that uh, Democrats would like to get pushed through. And and bipartisan groups of senators and and House members would also like to get through before the new Congress comes in, because once the Republicans take the House, a lot of this stuff is dead on arrival. I am getting aggravated because, yes, we have the Marriage Equitability Act, which aimed to codify uh, same-sex marriage and interracial marriage into law so that those things could never be infringed upon, so that they could never be taken away by the Supreme Court, as Justice Clarence Thomas suggested that they might be. Um, following the, the Dobbs decision. So um, that came up for a vote. Uh, it looks like it probably will pass. There's a, a good number of bipartisan support for it, bipartisan senators, Republican senators. Um, but what I find interesting is, again, the media. The media is only really discussing, and the media is... Uh, focusing on these hot button cultural issues right they're focused on this the defense spending act the budget ceiling and the marriage act but the, the to me the most important act the most important thing currently on the agenda for this lame duck congress the most by far important thing right now is the bipartisan election reform bill the presidential, I think it's called the Presidential Count and, and Transition Reform Act, something of that nature. That is the most important by far piece of legislation. And yet we haven't seen a lot of reporting on it. The reporting on it is very scant and we haven't really seen it on the agenda yet. That came out of committee with 
near unanimous Republican and Democrat support. The only one on the committee who voted against it was Ted Cruz, who, by the way, went from a conservative principled, you know, darling, apparently to a complete and utter Trump lackey. The guy is like an eel, it seems like swimming for his political life with no legitimate principle. He's the only one who voted against it. The act would bolster, you know, the legitimacy of our elections by preventing false slates of electors, by having states, you know, make sure that the standards are in before the election so that they, the state can't just flip after the election and just switch their state's vote. There's a lot of things in there that protect our democracy. Essentially, without getting into the weeds, and I got into the weeds on a video. If you haven't seen it, go to my Logic and Larry YouTube channel and look up the video I did on this. But essentially, it prevents the type of thing that happened on January 6th. It prevents that type of thing from happening again. It prevents a January 6th. It prevents an insurrection. That should be at the forefront of this lame duck session. Let me tell you something. If this Congress does not pass that bipartisan electoral reform bill before the new house comes in and the new house kills it, we have missed one of the biggest and most important opportunities in our national history as of recent. That has to absolutely must be passed before the end of the lame duck term. If they fail to pass the bipartisan electoral reform bill, they are failing the entire country and every one of us. Republican, Democrat, conservative, progressive, libertarian, Green Party, everybody's failed if they don't get that done. Now, I have faith they get it done, but as of yet, the media is not putting any pressure. You're not hearing anything about it, and I haven't heard anything about it on the agenda. I assume it'll happen, but we haven't seen it yet. So you can do your part by searching that, posting about that, talking about that, finding news stories about that, and discussing it and blasting it out to all the people you know and bringing it up. Because the fact that it's flying under the radar is just indicative of how this country is so obsessed with cultural hot-button issues and not on the brass tacks, not on the actual mechanisms of the things that actually control and guide our government, which is part of the problem in the first place. If you care about hot-button cultural issues, then you better have the underpinnings of the government sanctified and locked down in order to function properly because otherwise again we're floating in a vacuum we're floating in outer space and it's even worse because we don't have any institutional protection so we absolutely need that thing passed and that's what i'm watching for in the next couple weeks but until then everybody enjoy their thanksgiving i won't see you next week Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll be back in December. I'm going to have some cool guests on. Sean Bracken's going to come on and do a post-mortem of the midterm elections. We're going to continue to talk, and then we're going to have a little holiday hiatus, and then 2023 is just going to be another great year for the Logic and Larry podcast, but I'll talk to you before then. Until then, everybody enjoy your holiday. There's plenty to be thankful for despite all the strife in this world. Enjoy it. Spend time with your loved ones. Share this podcast if you haven't done so yet. Blast it out. Subscribe on the Podbean app. Subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast distributor. This podcast is available on every major platform. So if somebody asks, what are you listening to? Just tell them. This is the Logic and Larry podcast. Just type the Logic and Larry podcast into Google, and it'll come up on every major platform. Type it into Apple Music. Type it into Amazon. Type it into Audible. It'll come up. Tell your friend to tell a friend. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep the objectivity and the intellect going. And until then, I'll see you guys later. Good night.